You're now tuned into the Fully Booked Podcast with Mace, French and Pox. Enjoy the listen. Where to go? Tell me where to go. edition of the podcast Fully Booked Meets, Quarantine Editions. You have myself, Mace. I'm French. And myself, Andrew. And today, our special guest goes by the name of Alex Reed. So we just clap you in, Alex. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. So, Alex, what we like to do with all our guests is just for you to give a quick introduction into Alex Reed. Who are you? What do you do? What are you known for? So, man, what aren't I known for? Um... I am a podcaster, I'm a writer, um, I'm an emotional health practitioner. Um, I work and write around lifestyle and mental health and well-being. And um, yeah, that's pretty much what I do. I, I host a podcast called Time to Talk with Alex Reeds. Previously, previously hosted a podcast called Mostly Lit. And um, yeah, I've been doing pretty much all of that since 2016. And um, yeah, still on it, still going. Um, yeah, that's pretty much me. <laughs> and what, what set that in motion for you? You said it's since 2016. Something sparked that kind of, that urge yeah. to get up and do stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those things I always question myself sometimes when I look back on like my journals and stuff and figure out where my mind was at back in 2016. And um, it was, I think it was in a place where the job I was in was stifling a lot of my creativity. So, I, and I wanted to express and have these conversations and I couldn't find any of these um, kind of conversations in the UK. A lot of the podcasts that I had or uh, were listening to or just started listening to, they were all American. And um, I wanted to kind of find uh, some black British ones, to be perfectly honest. So I figured it could be just as big and quite similar to, to America. And um, yeah, so I just pulled a few of my friends together and we started Mostly Lit. Um, and that kind of went on pretty well for the next three, three and a half years. And then, um, yeah, and then I started my own podcast in October 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, it started off being called What Matters with Alex Reeds. And then um, a year later, I changed it to Time to Talk because I felt like it would, it would give it a bit more direction, um, a bit more of a focus. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much where I've been. That's how I've been navigating the podcasting space. Um, but yeah, well, I was working as a journalist from um, from 2016 onwards. So I'm freelancing now, but I was working in a busy newsroom. I was a news reporter. Um, and then I went on to do entertainment news and then feature writing. And then I just kind of phased out um, and went into just every day. Cool. <laughs> Okay, um, you say like you're an, well, not you, you say like um, you're an emotional yeah. um, wellness educator and yeah. you explained obviously the reasons why you became an, a wellness educator and that obviously you were looking for um, avenues and, and sources of information. Um, but what, is, mm. what does it look like? I mean, when you're, when you're so, providing information? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of a new thing. I'm like, I'm pretty, um, when I look at practitioners and um, working, as, working within mental health and kind of speaking to a lot of people, about their mental health and uh, the explorations that I've been on and the kind of journey that I've been on. Um, throughout the mental health conversations I've had, especially of a lot of men, it was um, it was very 
it's very telling that a lot of the the conversations I had weren't really geared around emotional health. Okay. Uh, when we when we think about mental health, we think about the specific disorders, we think about illness, um, and we think about um, you know when we have the, ter- the stereotypical idea of the mentally ill man, it's the whole oh they they're not talking, they're not X Y and Z. It's um, you know their their hair's unkept and they look, they look stressed out and all this stuff. You know, like not that you can tell much difference based on this quarantine anymore. But it was like nobody was kind of talking about the emotionality side of it. Nobody talks about the emotionality side of it. And there was a lot of reflection. Um, I'm in the process of writing a book on, um, based around Time to Talk. And uh, it was kind of looking at the emotional health of uh, men um, in particular. And uh, when we look at the stats behind uh, suicides, and then we look at um, typical, like the roots and a lot of mental health issues, a lot of them are about uh, not being able to express emotion in the way that you know people would consider normal or healthy. So my thing is, I like to have the conversation around what emotional health looks like, what that looks like with negative self-talk, self-acceptance, um, building one's building oneself up to be stronger, um, vulnerability, understanding what that looks like as an as an emotional kind of um, gauge, trying to figure out what that looks like. Um, dispelling the stigmas around emotionality. Uh, a lot of men have this idea between masculine and feminine energy, but then that also, and but that also kind of balances itself out with positive and negative emotion. So when we when men do typically think about emotionality, they do think about the masculine side of it. So the aggression, the anger, the determination, the direction, a lot of that stuff, which is in itself masculine energy. But it's also never considered about the more of the, the positive energy side, which I don't really like calling them positive and negative because it's all on a spectrum anyway. But um, yeah, so it's about kind of going into places, speaking about that, doing workshops, talking, um, getting people to understand different ranges of emotion and knowing that any emotion without direction is obviously not good. So um, we're trying to figure out how to kind of manage one's emotions and trying to figure out how to communicate that. Because I think that um, what I found is that a lot of men don't have the language to explain a lot of what they're feeling a lot of the time, especially if they've not been conditioned that way. Okay, um, just not one last question, but a follow-up question. Um, obviously, you say you're writing a book. Um, obviously, I've got the title here, How Men Feel About Love, Belonging, and Collection. Um, sorry, and connection. Do you want to explain maybe just very briefly, obviously, what that means to you as such? Uh, what, love, belonging, and connection? Yeah. Yeah, they work to me as a... Um, as kind of like a circle, kind of like a triangle. And... Um, if we're not feeling connected to people, to ourselves, um, through communication, through um, really associating ourselves with how we're feeling and an emotion, our emotionality, then we tend to isolate ourselves and men tend to isolate themselves a lot because um, according to data, uh, their social circles aren't as big as women's and um, women tend to communicate a lot more on, on quite a... Um, and men, um, men to do things together, feel things together. Um, it's one of those kind of those disparities. And um, so, if you're not connected anywhere, 
and when you don't really feel like you belong anywhere it's kind of hard to feel loved by anyone and it's really difficult to kind of really foster that that strong connection that strong sense of belonging and that song that strong identity with loving yourself it's not just it's not just about romantic love um it's about you know friendship it's about love it's about really understanding those different elements of what it means to love and be um and you know appreciating yourself going through things through like self-compassion self-forgiveness and uh to yourself as well beat themselves up quite a bit with just that they put themselves under and i've been you know i've had panic attacks and all those things because i've overworked myself because i've had standards and ideals that i've set for myself and if i don't reach them then i tend to beat myself up call yourself a failure call yourself all of these stuff by society standards so the idea in the book is to um, really lay out uh, how we can kind of reach those levels of self-acceptance how we can reach those levels of um, positive self-talk how we can embrace vulnerability how we can kind of move towards a greater sense of trust and intimacy how we can embrace our friendships a lot more just strengthening up those bonds and those ties to make us feel more connected to give us more of a a connection and understanding how to belong and feel like we belong in places and then that kind of puts us on the path to a more loving loving future cool. i want to uh, can you hear me yeah we can yeah okay cool yeah i wanted to refer to your to your writing that throughout your career you've done quite a lot of writing uh, is there a specific process that you have between when you're writing notes for ig when you're writing for the book or when you're writing for, again, articles or some, something like that? A specific process before sitting down to write, you're asking? Yeah, is there, is there a difference between when you're writing for one or the other, the different platforms? No, not really. I mean, um, so so on the Instagram, I just started off as wanting to share little tidbits of what I was thinking and what I was feeling. And then that kind of, that obviously it then expanded into the newsletter and then I've just recently launched the blog uh, Notes to You so people can kind of like go and just like read those little, those bits a bit more of an extended thing, not too long. Um, but the process I tend to go through and go under, it's, I tend to just stand, I take a lot of time just to sit in silence and just really try to listen. When you when I come to the desk or when I come to writing, I don't force myself to to write things. Um, I tend to kind of like go by what I what I'm feeling at the minute, what it, what is called, what I've seen, um, kind of uh, things that just kind of trigger off certain thoughts. Um, and sometimes I sit down and I pray. Sometimes I meditate, and I just kind of let myself feel what I want to say, if that makes any sense. Um, a lot of people might look at that and think, oh, it's kind of kooky, but it's it's just a way of me kind of, it's a way of me just sharing what I'm feeling at that time and then trying to just put it into words in a in a way that is easily shared. Um, that's the notes to self and then the, the blog. But when it comes to the book, yeah, it's a lot more targeted. So I have a bit more of a structure. Um, I have an idea about kind of how I want each thing to, to lay out and what I want it to, to be. So I have to sit down and then kind of like go go deeper and really kind of interrogate what I'm feeling um, and what I want to say as well to make sure that it's clear and that people can take away the message that I'm trying to give them. Um, and just sharing the experience, really. Um, writing is one of those processes. I read a lot about, I listened to a lot of writers talking about how lonely it is and 
um, and things like that. And I'm lucky that I do podcasts because then if it wasn't for that, I would literally would just be writing all day um, and I wouldn't be communicating in the way that I do. Um, but it is a lonely process. I spend at least three to four hours writing a day. So it, it it's literally just me, the computer and my ideas and trying to form everything. Um, but the, yeah, the, pretty much the process is just me having the idea and trying to like put, convey the message as well as I can. Okay. Uh, just moving on to reading, you mentioned reading about writers. What, yeah, yeah. what are you reading at the moment? What are you reading at the moment? Um, on my desk um so i picked up this book today um and i just started like underscoring it um it's called just this by richard raw um there's several there's several books today Um, i could go through uh, the ones that are relevant um but yeah richard raw this book so he's a he's a spiritual writer and um he's basically kind of explain explaining mindfulness but through kind of a christian lens because what tends to happen is when people start talking about um things like zen buddhism and um and then kind of comparing it to christianity people have this idea around what it means to be a christian and what it means to be all that and zen doesn't really come into it mysticism doesn't really come into it Uh, meditations don't really come into it and what he's kind of doing is he's kind of weighing up all of the arguments and then um getting people to read it and understand how how mindfulness kind of applies to a lot of the the Christian teachings. Um, And it's just a really interesting, interesting book, but it's a nice way to understand uh, spirituality from his lens. And um, and then in the wider sense, because he has all the references to other places that you can go and look and kind of, and develop and deepen your understanding around that. But he writes so clearly um, and he writes, yeah, he writes very clearly and uh, you, you wouldn't really, misunderstand what he's saying it's quite quite clear there it's one of but it, sometimes it is one of those ones where you have to reread the sentence again to make sure that you really get it mm-hmm. um it's not something that you rush through i mean a lot of the books i read is not they're not some things that i kind of rush through to get to the end i tend to take my time i highlight um, i'm quite an active reader in that sense um but uh what do you guys think about highlighting in books by the way you guys were kind of like and blasphemy Blasphemy. <laughs> I highlight in my in my iPad, but I mean, you know, it's first to me. You don't want it to be a witch and you just throw me out the chat. <laughs> You're like, what am I defacing the book? No, but um that's the thing, like I I used to be like that and I have this um this kind of notebook here that I kinda used to write my notes in. But I what I found is that it's it becomes easier for me to reference, especially when I'm doing episodes on the books uh, for my podcasting. Um, I just, when I flip through, I'm like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking when I was writing it. So it gives me a lot more, it's a much easier for me as a frame of reference. But then also when I'm on my Kindle as well, I can highlight it and it goes to Goodreads, um, which is really cool. Um, And another book I am reading, I think, which one am I doing? Um, I've been reading Mask of Masculinity by J.J. Boller. If you guys have heard of, you have heard of that book? Yeah, a different um, Mask of Masculinity. It's a different book that we've read. We've read Mask of Masculinity by Lewis Howes. By Lewis Howes. Okay, okay, okay. Um, this one is JJ. I've got the proof, but um, it's JJ. It's uh, JJ <laughs> Boller's Mask Off. Um, and oh, yeah, Mask Off. Yeah, Mask Off. Masculinity Redefined. 
uh, is what it's called. And um, yeah, that's that's really good. He he, he provides a, a, quite a comprehensive look at the range of masculinity that is happening. Um, but he does it, and each chapter is kind of named after a, a song title in hip hop, which is really okay. cool. And uh, finally, the book, one of the books that I'm really kind of studying is uh, A Return to Love by uh, Marianne Williamson. And um, she's the kind of, she's the person that, that had that quote, uh, your greatest fear is not that you're inadequate, your greatest fear is that you're uh, powerful beyond measure. Yeah. And that's what Nelson Mandela used. And it was in, it was said in Invictus and stuff. And uh, so she is doing, in this book, it, she's doing a reflection on um, a book called A Course in Miracles. And um, it's, it's really good. Like it, um, she's centering uh, the idea of love at the core of everything that you do. Um, and when you understand that, she's like, she's, she's challenging the ego. She's challenging, um, obviously, negative perceptions of self and how we interact with one another. And, um, and I just found it interesting because she was um, a presidential candidate <laughs> for the US and uh, she wanted to give reparations, um, she wanted to bring reparations to the table for African-Americans. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, Marianne Williamson, like I've never actually, I've heard of her name, but I've never actually read any of her work. So she must be interesting. So then I went out and got the book and it's been like, a, it's, it's blown me away. And all the other stuff that she does around her charities and whatnot, she's just like, she just lives what she what she was writing about. Yeah. So those are the three main books. Oh, and uh, the Daily Stoic. I've been meaning to get that. I need to. Get yeah, I've that. seen that in a few places um, recently. It is good. It is good. Like it's part of my morning ritual, and like um, just kind of go through and see what it says so it says for today, and it usually hits the point. Um, yeah, it's really good. I like Ryan Holiday stuff. And um, yeah, it's, it's if you want to get into kind of reading Stoics, but you don't want to have to go through all of the, the, the long texts in the, in the first instance, then yeah, try that. Just a daily thing. It's cool. 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 Um, you come across like quite spiritual. And obviously, I know you say you've written for obviously a number of publications. And what sort of journey do you take your your readers on? Is it one of like sign of the times or is it one that's personal? Um, could it be a mix of both? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I tend to, hmm, I tend to take them on. I, I always root where I'm at first. If I take to my writing and I want to write about forgiveness, I tend to assess where, what I feel about that first and kind of um, and under, try and understand where I'm at with that. Um, you know, like I try to try to challenge those those concepts because um, I see a lot of things on social media. Um, when I used to be on Twitter, I used to see a lot of kind of things about, oh, like a lot of uh, commentary about particular things, especially abstract things like forgiveness, kindness, like all those things. And... Um, I just, when I, I, my thing is, you know, I was kind of positioning myself as someone who educates in the sense that I am learning as well. Um, I am, I try to make sure that whatever I kind of bring across to, to readers is that I'm on this journey with them too. 
So I'm understanding what forgiveness is. I'm understanding what, trying to understand what forgiveness means of the self. I'm trying to understand what it means to be kinder to yourself. Like it's, it all sounds like buzzwords. It all sounds like, oh, this is just something that everyone's saying now. Like in order for, you know, we're hearing, we're hearing things like be kinder, all these things. Um, But I don't think anybody's really explaining what that means. Um, And it's just nice to be able to sit there and kind of explore the meaning of stuff because I think that that's the way that we should be communicating. We're trying to figure out what interpretations are. Whenever we try to look at stuff, we want to find, well, for me personally, I want to find out what they mean. Um, so then I'll look at what kindness means and then I'll look at how that applies to self. And then when you apply self-kindness, as in one sentence, it, it kind of changes the whole meaning of it in a way. Um, and then it just becomes it just becomes important to try and start then doing the work to start being self kind because once you do those things internally it kind of then emanates out and you start to start to live that you start to do that and that's kind of the journey I want to bring people on and um, yeah that's the journey I want to bring people on just to make sure that they're just not it's not me talking at them it's me kind of walking with them in this yeah yeah. yeah. Um, being in this in this period of um of kind of quarantine and um, self isolation and so on and so forth, have you found that a lot more people have uh, men I'm going to say men have messaged you, DM'd you, talking about any struggle? And has there been an increase essentially in people who have who proclaim to have emotional um like emotional issues essentially like dealing with the environment, dealing with the situation we're in? Mm-hmm. Not many men. Oh, unfortunately, okay. a lot of women. <laughs> um, not many men, and um, that is interesting. But there have been quite a few who've expressed their anxieties, who've expressed. There's a lot of there's a lot of men who listen but don't interact, um, and there's a, and a lot of women interact um, and listen, and um, they they want to be involved. They want to get there because that's that's kind of where they're headspaces doesn't make any sense like they 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 identify with a lot of that a lot more um but yeah quite a few there have been i have had quite a few voice notes from guys saying how certain things resonated and um it's always it's always interesting to hear what resonates with them and why and it's like um triggering off thought patterns and and the like and um yeah i just think it's a challenging time for a lot of people right about now um and i just a lot of the guys that i know that listen a lot of them are um there's quite a few are fathers quite a few of them married quite a few of them are just like just trying to get on with stuff they don't really have time to (laughs) to kind of assess what's going on internally sometimes they um but that's kind of the stuff that i'm trying to challenge as well um, you should be able to kind of like communicate with your with your friends as well as your say wives or partners or husbands or whatever, and um, it's and trying to just like, try and literally find the language to express what's going on. Um, but yeah, like yeah, so I have had quite a few interactions. I'm just saying a lot of them have been women who have kind of um, expressed uh, feelings of anxiety. Um, I've had a few guys talk about they've not been able to sleep. Um, and stuff and then you know because a lot of people listen a lot of guys listen to listened to the podcast when they were at the gym and a lot of them aren't going now 
so they feel kind of lost. It's just really interesting to see kind of what, what several people's um, experiences have been. Cool. And how about yourself, Alex, being in this period? How are you finding motivation to keep, keep reading, writing? And how are you finding, um, how are you find the situation being in You know what's so funny? I say this every time someone asks me, like, how am I doing? I have been on lockdown since 2019. I, everybody else just got here. I've just been like, well, this is business as usual. You know what I mean? Um, I, I've used this time, I think, with me, I can be quite introverted and um, I I like spending time on myself, but then also when my extroverted nature comes out, then I'm very like, I want to be out all the time. Um, before lockdown, it was uh, it was all going outside and going out and doing a whole of the different things were forms of distraction for me. Um, and now more than ever is a time where I need to really focus on kind of what I'm creating and what I'm writing and stuff. And I think that this has been an amazing, amazing opportunity for that. Um, yeah, it's been up and down. I mean, I'm used to being at home and then the house being empty and being able to just kind of like be able to do whether I want to work downstairs, work, you know, work upstairs, kitchen or whatever. But now that everybody's home in the first few weeks, it was quite difficult. But I think that, um, you know, as humans, we grow and adapt, don't we? We we kind of, we figure out what's going on. We try to make it work for us in whatever way we can. And um, yeah, so, but what this time has really given me, it's really helped me understand what solitude is and um, the kind of things that we can do um, while in solitude. Um, it's kind of helped me reflect on friendships a lot more and um, who we're keeping in contact with. Um, not to say that just because we're on lockdown that everybody you think is your friend should contact you. That's not what I'm saying. Or you should contact everybody just because um, you know them. But it's really just assessing like who your real friends are, who the people that you want to contact and want to keep in contact with are, um, rather than it just being like happenstance and you know. Um, so yeah, like it's been it's been quite an illuminating experience. Um, has ha does have its up and downs but it's been pretty good um like based on based on based on what you just said there um mm -hmm. what do you think the emotional fallout is going to be when we do finally um come out of lockdown because i mean you've said that there's individuals who are struggling with with lockdown and obviously there's been some who have been able to communicate but yeah. like anything you know with, with, with every action is a reaction so what what do you think the fallout will be there's going to be a lot of overcompensation, you know, a lot of overcompensation, <laughs> a lot. Um, you mean like partying or do you mean? It's going to be like, there's going to be, listen, I'm, if lockdown, if the, if the, this is a slight tangent, but I'm coming back to your question. But if, you know, if we do come out of lockdown anytime soon, as in, in the next week, I'm not leaving the house until at least a, few, a month after, because we don't know what's happening. Um, but, you know, people are going to be doing a lot of parties. People are going to be doing a lot um, of everything. <laughs> um, they're going to they're going to be dating. Everyone's going to be kind of over um, over indulging in like in connection, physical connection. Because they're like, oh my god, I haven't seen you in ages. Let's meet. Let's do this, and it's going to be that same level of intensity. But I think it's going also going to swing the other way as well. People are going to be a lot more wary as to who they spend their time with and why they spend their time with um, certain people. And I think that it's it's going to be a very interesting time. I think 
um, the people, if you're mean, if you're anxious now, doesn't like, and you were anxious already before the lockdown, you're going to still be anxious after it. Um, but I mean, somebody put an, in, put, somebody put an Instagram post on uh, the other day and they were like, you know, there's a reason they don't feel drained or as anxious as they used to. And that's because they're not sitting in at work for 12 hours a day um, with people and energies that they don't really like or appreciate or, and stuff. So I don't know. I think people are going to try to, people are probably going to go back to work refreshed and uh, slightly, and slightly happier. But I don't think um, people are going to tolerate a lot of different, a lot of things now because they already know what their piece is. <laughs> and I don't want it to be um, disturbed because you've spent a lot of time by yourself now. Whilst we're in this quarantine, is there any books that you would recommend for the listeners and viewers that, that they should get there or have a read of whilst, whilst in this period? Um, yeah, loads. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you guys a link to my, my Goodreads. Um, I've got a reading list on there. But there's loads. Um, I'd say definitely a return to love. I think people, I think everybody needs a bit of that in their lives. Um, just a bit of, a, to have a bit of an understanding um, of self, I guess. Because um, I think we're asking ourselves a lot more questions now. Um, if you've got time and you like a bit of heartbreak, um, and when I say heartbreak, I mean like devastation. Um, a Little Life, I don't know if any of you have read A Little Life yet. Wow. Have you read that? A little life is seven hundred pages right, long. Yeah, oh. a little life. A little life is seven hundred pages long. Hundred pages. Seven hundred pages long. You're not going anywhere, guys. But, um, but is it? <laughs> it, it, it since oh nineteen. Pardon. That's why you've been on lockdown since oh nineteen. <laughs> I read it. I read it. Actually, I read it in July last year, and um, I was a wreck. Like literally, like I didn't know what to do. I I remember sitting there. I read it with my friend, so we read it kind of like together and checked in and who's reading which chapters and stuff. And um, traumatized, traumatized, <laughs> but brilliant writing. Um, I've never been so invested in a book and a story past 300 pages like this before, outside of Harry Potter. Um, but yeah, there's a book called The Binding, which I think um, I haven't started yet, but it's one of those nice, it looks like one of those nice escapist reads. Um, I can't, the, the author doesn't, hasn't come to my head uh, quite yet, but the binding is really good. Um, it looks really good. Um, and yeah, I would say, you know, there's other like black British authors. So I'd say that this that reminds me by Derek Wusu. I'd say um, The Private Joys of Nana Maloney by, um, okay, I don't know how to say, it. yeah, okay, Zelu. Um, yeah, there's quite a few books out there, but like, I'd say just get, just wrap yourself up in something that makes you feel a bit comfortable. Even if it's something that you don't usually read. If you want to get Marianne Keys, I would say go and get some, go get yourself some Marianne Keys, man. Um, I was going to say, that leads me on to my next question. What's your preference between fiction and non-fiction? Is there a correct answer? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, I like real life. I think it's because of the journalistic um, element to me. Um, I love real life. I love learning. Um, I love taking on ideas and challenging them and um, and stuff. But I, when it comes to <clears throat> fiction, I books like the Five People You Meet in Heaven. 
uh, by Mitch Album, amazing books. Um, he says, what the five people you meet in heaven and the next person you meet in heaven. Um, and they're just great kind of, anything that challenges my ideas on something basically. Um, and he's, and what Mitch writes in that book is that when you die, you meet five people that you've encountered in your life that have, that you've affected. Um, upon your death before you get to the final stage before you actually enter enter heaven um and it was a really good book but um i prefer i just prefer good storytelling i really like good storytelling i really and i really like good writing and um if that happens to be in a non-fiction book with a message that is trying to like get to me then that's what i that's what i want um when it comes to non-fiction um, I, I tend to tend to go towards like um, philosoph philosophical books and texts and um, things like the you know the stillness is the way and um, obviously like a return to love a new earth by Eckhart Tolle when it goes to uh, fiction and it's really escapist stuff <laughs> that I that I delve into like a little life um, and those kind of books there but both is the answer. But I am leaning more towards nonfiction. Cool. Any more questions, fellas, before we uh, fade out up to the last book game? Yeah, yeah. One, one. Sorry, Lee, did you have a question? Yeah, just a quick one. <laughs> Go on. And it, it was on the. It was on the. We drafted together a, a few questions that we could we could bounce off each other. One of them was, um, why do you think we as men need to be taught how to date? That was my question. Really? <laughs> I need to be, that was my question, but it's our question. <laughs> no, that's what I meant. I was going to ask. Why do we need to be taught how to date? Yeah, it implies that men don't know how. Possibly. So, okay, um, I think that men need to. I think men need to embrace dating as just as something as a as a way to kind of not necessarily always have a means to an end, but as some as a way to kind of foster that connection. I don't know if you've seen um, Too Hot to Handle on Netflix yet. I don't know if you've watched it. Either watched it. So the the premise is that these guys are on this Love Island type of thing, but the 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 gag is that um, in order to, for them to win the money, they have to not embark on like any sexual activity. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah. So that's no oral sex, no no full on intercourse, and no kissing, and each one has a price tag against it. Um, the idea is to foster the connection. Um, and to create that connection um, and I think that when we're dating I think that's kind of what the journey should be it should be oh, I want to be connected to this person I want to see kind of I want to have the conversation and be able to do that um, rather than it just being like the the you know just the kind of the aesthetic thing oh this person I'm really attracted to physically it's a go sort of thing and then you end up in a relationship you're you're kind of that you don't really want to be in because it, everything is skin deep. Um, but I don't know about being taught how, do you know what I'm saying? I think that men know how to date. I think that everybody kind of needs to know how to like actually connect properly when they're on these dates and just go in kind of knowing what you want in a sense, rather than doing this kind of like, oh, maybe yes, no kind of thing. I'm still hung up on my ex from like, 10 years ago or when I got curbed by that girl in the playground or that guy said this, you know what I mean? It's just like, all right, come on now, we, we need to like, all right, heal from all of this. And, you know, we're bringing people into our lives and stuff. Um, so yeah, I think that, I don't know whether they need to learn. I just think we just need to embrace new things in order to kind of 
had better experiences dating, personally. Cool. Uh, Pete, was you going to ask the same question? Yeah, that was the question I was going to ask. All right, just before we, we wrap up, we play a game called Dope or Trash. And, it's the, and the, pre- the premise is uh, you don't judge a book by its cover. But in this instance, that's what, exactly what we're going to do. So basically, okay, cool. I'm going to say a title of a book and you say Dope or Trash. Follow? Yes, I, I follow. <laughs> get myself in trouble. <laughs> oh, to kill a mockingbird. Okay, confession. I was 15 and I read the first <laughs> chapter and I said, nah. Because um, I kind of knew I was going to go south. I'm going to say trash just because um, I am. <laughs> and, I didn't, and I should have read the book. But also, yeah, I'm going to say trash because I always knew how it was going to end. You don't even need an explanation. Just dope or yeah. trash. Fifty yeah. Shades of Grey. Trash. Da Vinci Code. Mm. Dope. The Alchemist. <sighs> dope. The Book of Alex Holmes. <laughs> dope as hell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thanks, guys. You want to just shout out your, your um, social profiles where we can reach you, Alex? Yeah, um, at Alex Reads on Instagram, alexreads.co.uk, um, and at TT Talk Pod on Twitter. Um, just hit me up anywhere. Excellent. Now, thanks for being on the podcast. Um, for those who are listening via SoundCloud, um, you, we can, you can check us out on full underscore e underscore booked. The same, the same, um, what do you call it? Fully booked.